0: Welcome to Mom and
1: Up! With your co hosts, developmental psychologist Dr. Marty Erickson and Dr. Erin Erickson, maternal child health specialist and nurse
2: practitioner.
0: Welcome to Mom Enough. I'm Marty Erickson here with my daughter Erin, and we are delighted to welcome our guest today, Dr. Megan Gunner, who has been with us numerous times. And today she's with us representing Help Me Grow, which is one of our supporting partners here in Minnesota. And we just really appreciate uh, their support as a long term supporting partner of Mom Enough. And we're very happy to have Megan here. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Um, first of all, Megan is a developmental psychologist who studies how the experiences children have early in life affect how they develop, if you hear that little voice in the background, that's not at my house, but that's at Megan's. That's her little grandson Patrick and I'll tell you a little more about her family in just a moment. Megan got her undergraduate and graduate training in California but then moved to Minnesota in 1979 to become a professor at the Institute of Child Development at the University of Minnesota where she has stayed her entire career. And all of us here in Minnesota are very grateful for that because she's a terrific resource but to the university and to our communities. In 1983, Megan met and married her husband, Dan Dahlberg, who's a physics professor at the University of Minnesota, and they had two sons, Cliff and Pete. Both boys are now married and fathers. So Megan is now a grandmother to a 22 month old little boy, Patrick, and an eight month old little girl, Dahlia. Somehow in her busy life, she fits in a day a week to babysit Patrick, and this is one of those days, so she is both professionally and personally immersed in what it's like to raise a child um, these days. Megan, welcome, and uh, let's hope that little Patrick does okay during this interview. I know this is quite not how we planned it, but it's fun to hear his voice. No, this is usually nap
1: time. But of course, this was the morning he woke up at four and then five and then finally got up at six. So nap time was earlier and he's
0: up. Well, Well, there you go. I love hearing his voice, but uh, hopefully you can speak more loudly to drown him out (laughs) when you have important points to make. I will.
2: So, Megan, um, well, let's talk about empathy. Uh, What is involved in empathy and how would we know if a young child is empathetic?
1: Well, probably the first thing is to start breaking down empathy into its various components because it's not just one thing. Psychologists, we think about uh, several types of empathy that are really important. Um, One of them we talk about is cognitive empathy, and that's being able to see the world from the perspective of another person. Sometimes we call that perspective-taking. Sometimes we call it theory of mind, but in order to be helpfully empathetic, you do have to take the other person's perspective. So that's cognitive empathy. As we get, uh, we can start seeing that in pretty rudimentary ways early in life. Um, But of course, it gets more complicated and more sophisticated as we are able to understand that another person who has different experiences in life, maybe comes from a different race, a different culture, may actually see the world quite differently than we do. Um, So that's cognitive empathy. Then there's emotional empathy, and that's what I think most people think of when they think of empathy. Um, That's where you feel what the other person is feeling, and that begins very early in life. Um, We've all seen or imagined a situation where you have a nursery full of babies, and one of them starts to cry, and pretty soon all of them are crying. Uh, That's emotional contagion. They're feeling what the other baby is feeling, but of course at that age, they can't really tell that they're not the ones feeling it right? It's just emotional contagion. With development and with the differentiation of self and others, the child will begin to recognize that another person is feeling bad and that's making me feel bad. Now, that doesn't necessarily bring a lot of TLC right away. In fact, we it's not that uncommon for a child who sees another child crying and then starts feeling bad themselves to go over and push that other child down because I want to get away from this thing. You're making me feel bad. Um, And that's, you know, the child doesn't really know what to do to make the situation better. Um, And then the third kind that we talk about is compassionate empathy. And this is when we're able to take the fact that another person uh, feels bad and we feel the way they feel and then be able to move on and be able to think about what we can do to make the situation better. And about age two, we begin to see children really trying to do this. It's uh, very common to see a child, this is another one, cry, to go and give them their teddy bear, the thing that makes them feel better, or to go get their mother, (laughs) their own mother, (laughs) because they know if they feel bad, they want their own mother. Um, But with increased perspective taking, uh, so the pieces all really do wind together, the child then may realize that what they need to do is to go get the other child's mother, or the other child's baby. So, those are the, the pieces that we think of, of uh, cognitive empathy, emotional empathy, and compassionate empathy. And they all develop at different paces, and they all inter- interact and, and influence one another.
2: Is that clear? Absolutely. I, I think I love that. And I love the image of the child giving the other child their bear or getting their own mother. And I, I can also think of examples from when my own children were little when they would pat me on the back or something like that, which was so kind and such a, a sweet gesture of acknowledging someone else's emotions. Yeah. So How early do we see these signs? Like, what's the earliest point in a child's lifespan that they would show empathy?
1: (laughs) Well, newborns, the the, uh, emotional contagion, is one of the building blocks of what we would later talk about as empathy. But you really begin to see something that parents uh, can think of as empathy. As a child moves uh, between 18 and about 24 months, and you start seeing some really rudimentary signs. You see a child begin to feel bad if they see another child cry, um, or um, or feel bad for you if you hurt yourself. Um, it's, it's it's the beginning. And of course, what they need to okay. figure out. Yes, you're pointing. Yes, I said that's Patrick's pointing to his foot because I said something about if you hurt your foot.
0: Um, so. Too bad we're not on video. I would love to know, have you both on camera sweet. right now.
1: <laughs> it would be sort of sweet. but um, So what has to come is the child understanding what to do. And also for the child, and we need to talk about this, not getting overwhelmed by the feeling, Because if you start feeling bad when another person feels bad and you don't know what to do and you can't regulate your emotions very much, then you can't move on to that compassionate empathy. You're just locked into needing to care for your own feelings, if that makes sense.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And and you can really aggravate the other child's distress, too, when you react in an unregulated way.
1: Well, and that's what can sometimes lead to you pushing that child over because you're making me feel bad.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And oddly enough, that is a component of learning how to be empathetic right if you're feeling it now we need to help you figure out what to do with
0: that feeling so what do we know based on research and lots of observation of children at different ages about factors that influence the extent to which a child will become empathic
1: well a lot of it has to do with what we as adults can do to help that child know what to do um and uh, when another child is feeling badly or when there was a, is a reason to engage in compassionate empathy um, and to identify actions for the child that they can take and to help them take action. That's a piece of it. Also, children model our own empathetic behavior, right? So when we spend time trying to help other people um, and engage in activities to help others, they learn that that's something we should be doing as human beings, not just taking care of ourselves, but taking care of others. We also know that children who are securely attached emotionally, perhaps because they have experienced so much compassionate empathy from their parents, are are more inclined to try to be compassionate uh, and empathetic with others.
0: Well, that makes so much sense to me, and of course, as an attachment researcher myself, I've seen that and spent so much time observing uh, children and the quality of their attachment and then also seeing those uh, behaviors in children at 2 and 3 and 4. And I, I just have always been so... Touched um, by seeing the children reflect the kind of tender care they've received, I know Erin uh, mentioned you know how good it felt to her when her children patted her on the back or something when they were very young. But I, you know, I've seen babies at nine or ten months old if their mother was was crying or, or you know, had a sad look on her face, just kind of leaning up against mom's face or maybe putting a hand on mom's face or patting her back, as as Erin said in her example, and just seeing that same tenderness uh, go from parent to child in such a direct way, and then uh, with a lot of help from adults, as you say, as children broaden that out and, and see that other children... Um, are different from them, and uh, and yet still have emotions that matter. And uh, we can go into a little more of that uh, in a moment. But I think that modeling and and what children experience directly from their parents and other caregivers is such a powerful influence.
2: So, uh, Megan, in concrete terms, what can parents and other caregivers do to support children in building empathy?
1: Talking about feelings, helping children label feelings, because if you you may feel our mirror neurons help us feel what other people are feeling, but if we can't label it, we can't really think about it, and we can't regulate our feelings and turn that feeling into compassionate empathy, where we can think about how to connect that feeling with what we could do. So, being able to talk about feelings in ourselves and in others, um, spending time talking about what what helps. When somebody feels this way, what can you do? Um, and of uh, reading stories where people are compassionate and kind to one another, uh, helping your children know that you value kindness, that this is something that you try to engage in yourself and that you pro- are very proud of them when they are kind. Um, so those are some of the things you can do. Also helping your child regulate their own emotions. So you may have a, a child who gets really overly emotional when something bad happens to themselves or others. Um, and it's hard to move on to compassionate empathy if you're stuck in trying to control your own feelings. So so helping your child develop the capacity to regulate their own feelings is important. And those are helping your child understand the strategies of what can I do when I feel bad.
0: Oh, that's great. I, I think... Um a lot about when young children get in trouble, you know, because they hurt another child with words or actions. Maybe it's, you know, treating their sibling roughly, which uh, happens in almost every sibling relationship, I think. Um, And uh, those sorts of things. And how how uh, so many parents, I think, kind of get caught up in um, imposing consequences, and that can be a very important part of discipline and teaching. But um, I think if you have empathy as your focus, you might handle some of those behavioral issues a little differently and use them as teachable moments, you know, for really strengthening the child's ability to see through another person's eyes, to um, feel the emotion, the, uh, the emotional empathy, and also... Um, move toward compassionate empathy. Um, what do you think are some ways that we can do that when we're dealing with children's sort of everyday misbehaviors or, or when they're not getting along with others, either others in their family or others in their uh, preschool classroom or wherever it might be?
1: Well, you know, I had the chance at the Institute of Child Development to watch just absolutely brilliant preschool teachers um, work on exactly this issue because that's a lot of what preschool is about. And you know, they they will stop the situation and they will have the child who is has been harmed. You know, tell tell Anthony how that made you feel, right? And then have you know talk to the child who did and say, well. What can you do now to help Anthony
0: feel
1: better? A teachable moment. This is just about learning,
0: right? Um, so Yeah, um, that's so concrete. I love that. You know, we just need to kind of memorize those, those kinds of phrases so that we're in the heat of the moment as parents or, or grandparents, in your case and mine. Um, you know, we can say those wise
2: and simple things. So as kids get older, they may be empathetic towards others they perceive as being similar to them, but seem less empathetic toward people they perceive as different. So maybe someone who speaks a different language, dresses differently, maybe has a different color skin or ability. How can we help kids move beyond those differences and be empathetic?
1: Well, I think the first thing we have to understand is that this whole process of figuring out who are my people and who are not my people is a normative part of, of development, um, and it begins quite early. Um, and so our job is to help expand the idea of who my people are by helping children understand the ways in which they are similar to these people who don't necessarily look like them or speak like them, and also to expose our children to, to people who are similar um, different races, of different language groups, and so on, so that they they actually are more familiar with those people. Now, one of the things that may be true here, and it's actually from a work that was done helping uh, babies, very young children, recognize monkey faces. I'm going to digress a little bit and tell this story. So Chuck Nelson uh, was very interested in when our ability to recognize human faces and monkey faces diverge. Early on, babies will recognize, uh, be able to tell the difference between several humans and several monkeys equally well, that at around nine months of age, about the same time that language, we begin to hear the sounds of our own language and lose the capacity to hear the sounds of languages we don't speak about the same time, uh, we get good at seeing the differences among human beings and monkeys just look like monkeys. But what he discovered in helping babies keep that open was that they needed to actually have a name. Not just these are people, but these are individuals, does that make sense? So in helping your children recognize more people and being a part of more people, they need to also be able to name people as individuals um, and, uh, and be able to broaden their sense of who is part of my human family.
2: Wow, that's fascinating research. I love that. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. That's, I mean, it's really remarkable.
0: Yeah, it is. I I just love that research. And uh, Chuck Nelson, for those who don't know, which is probably most of our our listeners, um, was a professor at the Institute of Child Development at the University of Minnesota, and then went on to Harvard, but has done um, really uh, just fascinating research on so many different fronts. And I'm glad you Uh, mentioned that, Megan. I I just think that, you know, in these times when we've been dealing so much with um, social injustice and inequities and uh, animosity among different groups uh, based on all sorts of uh, different qualities and and issues, that um, thinking about this is just so important. And I think those concrete things that you talk about, and I love that broad idea of expand the idea of who my people are, because we have so much more in common with all people than we have uh, differences. And yet, we get locked into those differences sometimes in ways that hurt all of us. Um, And I I think it's so important, of course, to um, engage children with people from many different walks of life and many different racial and ethnic groups Uh, in person. I also think, stories and and books and watching um, movies or videos that show uh, different people and kind of celebrate the things that are special about them, but also find those universal threads that connect us all um, can be good for all of us at every age and certainly young children as we're trying to help them become the compassionate, empathic people we want them to be. There
1: is a word the wise here, And we don't have solid research on this. It's an anecdote, I will tell you. Um, In trying to help our children feel empathetic about people who maybe don't have as much as we have, um, we need to be a little careful. At about three or four years of age, this uh, this little girl was about three and a half. Her mother was going on and on about how those poor poor black people were so mistreated. And the next day, the the child's... uh, preschool teacher came to the mother and said what's going on all of a sudden she won't play with Annalisa who is black and it turned out that the little girl had interpreted that as meaning there must be something wrong with Annalisa that people are being mean to her so (laughs) so celebrating the positive things or if you're going to talk about injustice maybe talk about how white people have done bad things too rather than you know, focus oh, exactly. on the, the white supremacy rather than on what might be about the poor people. Because, yes, exactly. You know, three- four-year-olds aren't going to interpret that the way older kids and adults would.
0: Yeah. Well, I just think about you know, some things I've observed in my, I mean, back when my own children were young and more recently with my grandchildren when they were in preschool and so on. But, you know, celebrating the foods of different cultures and talking about the beautiful yeah. fabrics in the in the clothes that the children wear. And, you know, there are just so many ways that we can um, really help all of us, I think, have an appreciation for this this kind of quilt that is our country and uh, you know just do it in a positive way and there's nothing like you know just sitting down and sharing a meal or playing together at the playground or whatever I, I, I've i always enjoyed going to the playgrounds that are um, filled with diverse children and diverse parents and you know there are a lot of things we can do we're uh, certainly where where we live here in the Twin Cities area we have many opportunities going to you know a, taste of the nation or whatever the festivals are called and, you know, really um, really kind of immersing ourselves in the beautiful aspects of diversity can be a very good starting point. And that's very different from thinking, oh, those poor people, uh, even though sometimes that's, that's an appropriate impetus for, um, you know, for trying to make things better. But I think the celebratory aspect really is more appropriate for children in those early ages and helping them just feel comfortable.
1: Yep. Once COVID is over, so so for now we'll probably need to be storybooks and films and our own uh, things at home. Yeah. Um, but uh, yes, yeah. uh, in, in more normal days,
0: coming soon. We hope. <laughs> we
1: hope. Oh yeah. my gosh. We hope.
0: Well, thank you so much, Megan Gunner, for being with us. We always love the wisdom you bring. And again, Megan is here on behalf of Help Me Grow, which is one of our supporting partners. And um, you can check out that organization on the Mom Enough website. And we know we'll get Megan back another time to talk about more of the interesting research. She's such a, a master of that. So thanks again, Megan. And I'm I'm glad that uh, Patrick did very well during this. Maybe he really well, has empathy.
1: When his dad sort of scooped him up and he's
0: outside playing. So now I get to go play in the sandbox. Ah, well you have fun and (laughs) uh, I hope to meet that boy in person someday. Thank you so much. Megan.
1: Content copyrighted by Marty and Aaron Erickson. All rights reserved. Visit momenough.com for an archive of all momenough shows and many free downloadable
2: resources on child development, parenting and maternal health and well-being. Do you think I'll have a show called Kid Enough someday?